Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We've been in a series called Into the Wild, and uh, we've been looking actually uh, at creation and uh, some of God's creation. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, everything that has breath praises the Lord. Let it praise the Lord. And uh, we've been looking, we looked at the eagle and some attributes of the eagle that speak to us in, in our spiritual life and journey. Last week we looked at the be- at the beaver, and uh, this week we are uh, looking at another one, one of my favorite animals. And uh, this is actually an animal that I like. Some of you, you know, like, this is like this animal I like. Um, in the wild, though, not as a pet, not in my home, not in close proximity to me, but I like to watch it on YouTube. Distance. Uh, I want to go to Galatians chapter 5. And um, man, I, I just love church. I, I love coming together. God's people, God's house, God's presence. That's just a good place to be. It's a good place to be. If you don't know this, you're in a good place. And uh, I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This is that that Christ has come to set us free. I want you to know that, that any bondage that you experience in your life is not from God. That God's plan for you is not to be one, 98% free or 97% free. God's plan for you is to be 100% free. That bondage is not in the will or the plan of God. That God came and sent Jesus Christ so that we could walk in freedom. This scripture, it says, and it's a letter written to the church of Galatia. And, and, and it says this. It says, do not be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It says, don't be burdened again. Which tells me something, because, you know what, I, I think it's, it's, it's pretty simple for people to encounter God for the first time. Every, every week we have hundreds of people that encounter God for the very first time. People come, guests, maybe this is your first time with us, and, and you encounter God for the first time. It is easier to encounter God in a moment than it is to walk with God throughout a lifetime. Isn't that the truth? You can encounter God in a Anybody had faith after a Sunday before, and then you had Monday show up? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you went home, that was all it took. You got in the car, that was it. It's like parking lot. And it's like, oh man, you already lost everything I got. Because life is tough. We encounter things. And in the scripture, it is a warning to the church of Galatia. It says, don't be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. If I could say it this way, don't let what used to bind you, bind you again. Don't let the thing that used to have you have you again. Don't let the thing that used to ensnare you ensnare you again. Be on guard. It says stand firm. We have never been at a place in history, I believe, where we need believers to stand firm more than we do today. We need believers to stand up and to be counted. We need believers to really be believers, which means that you are something different than people without Christ. Christians are not just a title. Christian means a little Christ. It means that we should have something that someone without him doesn't have, which means when we encounter difficulty, we walk through it differently than what other people walk through it. That's your testimony. It's not that you have avoided trouble. It's that you went through the same trouble so-and-so did, but it didn't take you out. That's the testimony that will change your community. That's the testimony that will change your family. It's not your theological knowledge. Because anybody can have knowledge. 
It's applied knowledge. It's when you hit a storm, how you apply it and how you walk through it in your life. We're living in a time where the Bible, uh, Bible warns us over and over that there'll be terrible times, that there'll be crisis, and we're living in a time where we need believers to stand up, and we need believers to be free. Do you know that God's plan for you is to be 100% free? So that means, that means not sick. That means not anxious. That means not depressed. That means that, that's God's will. Now, I know the journey from here to there is it's, it's tough sometimes, but that is God's plan. That is God's heart. It's God's heart for you to run wild, for you to run wild after God, unencumbered, unhindered, unburdened. So I was looking at, um, I was looking at different animals throughout this, this month on, on, on what we are going to focus on today, and uh, I'm, I'm going to preach on one of my favorite animals uh, because um, I, I, I love wolves, and um, I, just, I just do it. If you've been through two years of my internship, you know, like, like wolf pack, you know, that's just, I, I, I love it. I like, how, I like so many things. I think they look cool. Um, <laughs> They're a little scary, but, you know, if you're up close. And uh, this actually happened last night. I was studying and putting the finishing touches on the message and praying for you and praying for all our campuses and, and uh, for God to move today. And, and, and I, for some reason, I looked up a, a, a wolf attacking prey video on YouTube. And I began to get sucked down this mesmerizing hole on YouTube of all kinds of animal attacks. Little did I know, a lot of people have been attacked and had their GoPro on. <laughs> and so I started watching these videos and I'm like literally getting tense as I watch, this is no joke, you should look it up after service, uh, a mountain lion stalk this hiker. And he's like, I'm being stalked, I'm being stalked. I'm like, run you idiot! Like, <laughs> He, he's just like, I'm being sorry. He's like, make sure he gets focused. I'm like, I will be out of there. Like, I, there is no way. I'd probably be dead as well. But um, he, he's staring this thing down, and eventually he scares it away. The, 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 the mountain lion gets up within like 10 yards of him. And it, it, it's like got its fangs and crazy stuff, you know. And it's so, I'm, I'm like tense watching it. And I, and I go to get a drink of water to leave my office, and my son was coming in to say goodnight. But I was like super on edge. Like I just watched this super freaky video. And so he came in the same time I was going out. I'm like, ah! Like, he's like, Dad, I was just coming to say goodnight. I'm like, yo, man, like you can't like run up on your dad like that. It's like a little mountain lion in my house. Like, this is not cool. You can't be stalking me in the office, you know? It's, um, but it was, it was crazy. Animals are wild. Uh, but, I, but I studied this week, I studied um, the wolf and all kinds of different attributes. I, lear I learned a lot of different things uh, about the wolf, but I think a lot, of, um, a lot of the attributes or characteristics apply to us in our Christian journey. And uh, I want to give you some of those, but let me just give you some facts first. Did you know wolves can sprint at speeds up to 36 to 38 miles an hour? Some of you are like, well, a cheetah can go 60. <laughs> that's fine. How fast do you run? Because that's all I care about. All I care about is that thing can run faster than I can at top speed. That is a problem. One writer, he said, but uh, no, don't fear. They can only run at this speed for short distances. Like, well, they, don't, they only need a short distance if they can run faster than me. Like, that's, that's not good. You, you know how you get away from, from wild animals that are chasing you, right? It, it, it's not about running faster than them. It's only running faster than the last guy. That's it. It is trip and run. Yes. Appetizer. Do you, do you know wolves can travel between 10 to 30 miles a day? Which means a wolf that lives here could like travel in one day just like go visit Dallas, get some coffee. <laughs> well, you know, 
dogs have 42 teeth? I don't know how many y'all have, but that seems more than that. It's like, that, that's, that's creepy. And when I was watching that video, they were showing all 42. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not having none of that. I'll probably never go outside again. <laughs> Wolves can consume up to 20 pounds of meat in one meal. 20 pounds. That's like me at a Brazilian steakhouse. <laughs> Just turn it on green. It's like, let's keep it coming. Keep it coming. I'm going to make you regret the day that you said all you can eat. That's my mission, actually. And every time I go into a Brazilian steakhouse, it's like, make them sad the day they said they'll, they'll give you as much as you want. And then successes, this might be TMI, but successes when you get in the car and you have to unbutton the top button. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, we did well today. We did well. I, I, want to give you, I want to give you a couple facts I think that'll speak to you in your spiritual journey. And uh, this, this, this was really interesting as I read about this, but wolves thrive in tough environments. N not survive, thrive. Wolves have the ability to thrive in climates and environments that actually takes other animals out. That they have an ability to, to thrive in these tough elements. Wolves live in some of the most extreme environments in the world, and they don't just survive, they thrive. Wolves make the most of the resources they have available, and they accept the situation that they're in. And then many people said that a, a wolf has the ability to adapt to what's happening and to overcome it. I want you to know this, that you will encounter difficult situations in life. Jesus said it. The Bible says it all through how. It says that we will encounter difficulty. And, and, and the goal of life is not to avoid difficulty. If your mission in life is to avoid stressful people so you're never stressed, you will always be stressed. Because you'll be stressed that the stressful person that you got away from is going to find you somewhere. And they're looking at your social media and they're watching you. It, it's, you cannot get away from stress. We say this all, said this all throughout the series, but peace is not found outside of us. Peace is found inside of us. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. Peace is not in, in, in escaping all of the stressful situations of life. Peace is finding something inside of me that allows me to thrive in things and elements and environments that are taking other people out. I read this this week from Max Lucado. He says, in God's hands, intended evil becomes eventual good. See, this is how God works. Is God doesn't cause everything, but he does use everything. This is not new to, to us, and this is something that we believe in our churches. There's some things that we teach by revelation, and there's some things that we teach by repetition. There are some things that you don't need to hear something new. You need to hear the same thing over and over so that we can get it into our heart. There's some things that are revelation and some things that are repetition. Repetition is this. God doesn't cause everything, but he does use everything. So I have to have a faith to see that on the other side of this storm, God's going to do something and it's going to be for my good. I have to have the belief that God is going to come through for me in the middle of a tough situation. And, and this is why it's faith, because you have to have faith to see what you cannot see while you feel what you do feel. I feel like God's left me, but I have faith that he'll never leave me. I feel, I feel this. I'm encountering this. I am walking through this, but I have faith that God will turn it for my good. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, it says, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Have you ever thought about this, that God's actually going to use your pain to save someone else's life? 
God's actually going to use the storm that you weathered and the environment that you lived in. He is going to use it, although he didn't cause it. He is going to use it to serve you, and he's going to use it for your good so that people around you are impacted and affected, and their lives are changed by what you have survived. A wolf has the ability to adapt and to overcome. Do you know what believers should be? Believers should have the ability to adapt and overcome to whatever life throws at them. That they have the ability to see it, to feel it, but to know that God will turn it for his good. Wolves, they thrive in tough environments. They also, they put their pack, their family, they put them, their pack above everything. When I was studying this, it was crazy because a pack is not even just their immediate family. A pack is anyone who belongs to them. A pack, the pack is actually a really good picture of the church. That, that they, they walk together, they live together, they lean on each other, they protect each other, they care for each other. It, it is incre- it's incredible how the pack functions. One, one writer said that there is actually cultures that are created in packs. That, that there is a culture that is created, a code in which they hunt by, in which they live by, that actually wolves are very intelligent in that as they lead, they create, every pack will be different. And a leader will lead and, and lead them in a culture. A, a, a culture, culture is what you feel when you, like, the culture of this church is what you felt when you walk in. Whether good or bad, everybody has a culture about their life. When people meet you, they experience your culture. If, if you haven't showered for a little while, they experience your culture. Whether it's good or bad, like they experience your culture. And, 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 and we are responsible for the culture that we have. As a church, there is a culture that we have, and it's, it's created by the people within that pack. And wolves, this is interesting, wolves are among the most social animals on the planet. A wolf pack is a complex social unit with an extended family of parents, siblings, aunts, uncles, and even adoptees. That's the church. Intensely social creatures, wolves exhibit fierce devotion to their family. Like humans, they experience emotions and they care for one another. Wolves will do anything to protect their family, even if it means sacrificing themselves. They work together to achieve a common goal that benefits the whole pack. I'm going to tell you this. God's plan for the church is not to be a church of lone wolves. God's plan for the church is for us to be a pack that love each other, that protect each other, that care for one another, that look out for one another, that live together, that look after one another. That's the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ, not to be a building, not to be a brand, not to be a sign, but to be a collection of people, a collection of, uh, of men and women of God that believe in something that's bigger than they are that are moving together and taking care of each other. I'm sure you've probably heard about it, like some people even say this, like I'm just a lone wolf. I'm an extrovert, I'm I'm an introvert, I'm a lone wolf. I like to just do things on my own. And I, I looked into this and I found this, is that there's actually no continued state for a wolf of being a lone wolf. It is always a transition process from pack to pack, or they have been kicked out of a pack and they need to find another pack, if they stay isolated, they will die. I'm going to tell you this. As a believer, the worst place you can be is isolated. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, the enemy's goal 
is to isolate you from the pack. I read this, this study that, that, that lone wolves would be hunted by animals that wolves actually hunt. Which, which means this, that a wolf by itself would be hunted by prey that the wolf, adds, uh, the wolf pack actually would apprehend. So now the, 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 the attacker becomes the attacked when they're by themselves. Which tells me this, the enemy would never mess with us but the enemy will mess with you. Enemy doesn't have a chance against us, but the enemy has a chance against me. So our mission as believers is not just to be great, to be gifted. Our mission is the church is to be connected to the pack. That's why we have groups. That's why we have leadership. That's why we have accountability. That's why we talk about being together, doing that. That's why we come together in the house of God because there is so much power in the pack. There's a saying uh, that they say about wolves that when the snow falls and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. I'm going to tell you this. There's things that will take you out by yourself that don't have a chance against you in the pack. There are, there are temptations that will take you out by yourself that will never take you out in the pack. There, there, there are offenses that will take you out on your own but will never take you out in the pack. There is power in the community that God has set up as the church. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there, where? Wherever there is unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Wherever God finds unity, he commands blessing. If he sees people working together, he says, I'm going to bless it. He sees a church in unity together, I'm blessing it. Whenever we decide we're going to do something together, God says, I'm going to bless it. He's looking for a church that is unified. Jesus said this, a house divided against itself cannot stand. A house divided against, uh, uh, multiple opinions, multiple ideas, everybody living their own life, doing their own thing. No, the wolf pack will actually live sacrificially so that they can benefit the rest of of the pack. Wherever there is unity, God commands his blessing. God designed us to live with, to lean on, to be in relationship with each other. It doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted, God's called you to be with people. You need people. It is, it is easy to have faith when things are going well, isn't it? Like, it is, it is so easy to just, like, be full of faith, love Jesus, ready to conquer the world, as long as things are going well. But, but when, when difficulty hits is when you really need faith. It, it's easy to say, I'm good on my own, when you're not going through anything. But once you, rec once you actually go through a storm, you realize, I need people. I need somebody. I need somebody to lean on. I need somebody I can trust. I need a shoulder to cry on. I need someone to pray with me. I need a man of God. I need a woman of God. I need something. People say all the time, you know, like, like money is the root of all evil, which is not technically true. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all, all evil. I don't think money is evil. I think money actually is a revealer of our own heart. If you have money, it'll expose where your heart is. I don't think social media is bad. People say, oh, social media, social media this, and social media that. Social media is not the problem. Social media is a revealer of what's really in our heart. It exposes what is really in our heart. You notice how bold people get on social media? 
It, it, social media is not the problem. It's like, man, if we, wouldn't have, if we didn't have Twitter, we would have a, we'd just have a better world. No, it is exposing. It is giving a platform for what is already in someone's heart. Do you know what storms do? Storms reveal what's really in us. That's what, in a peaceful situation, you could say all day that you have faith. But your faith is not shown until the trouble hits. When the bad environment happens, when the elements hit, when, 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 when your life begins to crumble in some way, that is actually where your faith is shown. That is where it's proven, tested, and forged in the fire. Wolves need each other. They put their pack above everything. We need each other. We need to band together, protect each other, love each other, care for one another. And this is why I read this. Is, is, a lot of times the alpha wolf, you would think like they are, man, they're the leader. They protect. They're out there doing everything. And this is what I read is that actually the alpha wolf actually doesn't care for the rest of the pack. The pack cares for the pack. Oh, that's interesting. You know who's our leader? Jesus is. He's our alpha wolf. He's our alpha male. He's, he, he's leading us. But, but it's up to us to care for one another. It's, it's, it's our job. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's our job to take on one another's burden. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. It's our job to take upon the burdens of the people in our body, in our community, across our campuses, and to carry those together. Wolves know their place. Wolves know their place. This is interesting. I read this is that wolves actually have a social hierarchy. They, they each have jobs, responsibilities. They, some of them were never created to be the leader, but they fulfill a role that another wolf can't fulfill. So some of them are hunters. Some of them are protectors. Some of them raise the pups. Some of them defend. Some of them sound the alarm. Everybody does something, but everybody has a job. Everybody has a mission. Everybody has a purpose. And I want you to know this. In the church of Jesus Christ, there is a place for everyone. There is a place for everyone, and everyone needs to be in their place. For the church to move forward, it is not about a pastor being in the right position on the platform. It is about the church of Jesus Christ recognizing I'm bringing something to the pack. I have a part to play, and me being faithful with the part that I have. You know what I found to be true is that if I'm faithful with little things, this is a biblical principle, that God will make me ruler over more. Some people say, well, you know what? I want that job. No, you don't get that job without being faithful with this job. That's, what, that's why our answer to God has got to be, whatever you want me to do, God, I'll do. Well, I, I'm, I'm a phenomenal preacher. That's great. Just start preaching to your family. Start preaching the kids' ministry. Start preaching wherever you have an opportunity. Lead a group. Preach every single week. And let your gift make room for you. Well, I don't want to do it if it's not. No, you got, you, you got to do your part. you got to play your part wherever it is. If it's cleaning toilets, clean the toilet. If it's working with the babies, work with the babies. If it's working on the parking team, work on the parking team. But there has to be a yes in us that says, God, I'll be faithful with this. And if you are proven to be faithful in that, God said, I can't keep you there. I gotta promote you. I gotta give you more. I gotta I got lead you into another place. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. It says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts, many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Do you know the church of Jesus Christ is made up of many parts? It's not just made up of one. We're not all preachers. We're not all teachers. We're not all worship leaders. We're not all hands. We're not all ears. We're not all mouths. Each of us is a part of the body, and the body is only complete when we're all here and functioning in those roles, functioning in the assignment, the purpose that God has for us. This is interesting. Wolves pass on their knowledge. They, they pass on their knowledge. They, they, I, I was reading the story about a, a certain pack that they had followed for years, and they were watching over this pack of wolves, and, and, and they, they at first were unable to capture a certain type of sheep. And the wolves tried again and again. They were unable to. And eventually, as, as, as they would hunt it, the sheep would go up into the heights of the mountains, and they were unreachable. But they saw over time that the wolves tried a different technique and they began to start from the top of the mountain and work down so the sheeps, the sheep, sheeps, the sheep could not escape. It's plural for sheep, sheeps. The, the sheep could not escape to the heights. They had to go down to the valleys. And so they saw a wolf pack that was unable to do something actually acquire knowledge in how to do it. Now, the story goes for that wolf pack is that before they had trained the younger wolves, those wolves were killed by hunters and they were trapped. So the older generation passed off without passing on the knowledge to the next generation. And so they said it was interesting to watch that that same wolf pack went back to the old technique and was unable to capture those sheep. Because when the life of the older wolf had been cut short prematurely, he was unable to pass on the knowledge that the younger generation needed to be able to accomplish the task. I want you to know this, is that we believe in a generational church, which means that we are not one age or one group of people, but we need every age group. We need young people and we need old people. You've heard me say this before. People say, well, you are a young church. We are not a young church. We are a church with young people. That is a swear word in this church. We are not a young church. We are a church with young people. And just because you've never seen it before doesn't mean it's not right and doesn't mean it's not God. I want a church that my kids go to. I want a church that my kids love. I want a church that every generation is represented because we have a, we have a spiritual responsibility to pass on everything that God's given to us to the next generation. It is a spiritual mandate that we pass on. My kids are not gonna walk through what I walk through. They are gonna live at a different level of anointing. They're gonna live at a different level of freedom. They're gonna live in a different level of power than what I did because I'm passing something on to them. Your kids, your legacy, they're gonna walk in something that you didn't walk in. They're gonna walk in a greater anointing. They're gonna do more than you did. They're gonna accomplish more than you did. That's the heart of every good parent is that our kids would do better than we did and that happens as a result of you passing on what God gave you. God is a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Generational. Wolves pass on their knowledge. Psalm 71 verse 18, it says, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Do you know for what God's doing here in our church, it's been remarkable to seeing people reach and lives change, but really to do what God's called us to do, we need every generation. We, 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 we need the wisdom of the older generation coupled with the zeal of the younger generation. That sounds like revival to me. 
It's young people full of energy and life and passion and older people full of anointing and wisdom and maturity and those things come together. That sounds like a move of God. But we have people that, 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 that are just completely ministering unto themselves. I don't have anything to pass on. I don't have anything to give. I'm just survival mode. And then we have young people that are in pride that say, I have everything I need. I don't need anything from them. And so I'm just going to, and so we just, every generation starts over. The Bible says this, we go from glory to glory, from strength to strength. You know how the kingdom of God's supposed to advance? One generation on top of the next generation. That this next generation is going to be more in love with Jesus than we were. That the church that we built right here, the church that we're building in Prosper and building in Allen, that church we're going to leave to our kids and to our kids' kids. And for the next 100 years, 200 years, they're going to lift up the name of Jesus. There's going to be revival in cities and moves of God in churches because of what you encounter and because of storm you weather and because of revelation you passed on wolves are generational says this that wolves actually the wolves that, that 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 were killed once they went back to their old techniques that the wolves begin to feed on livestock so the wolves became a problem because they started attacking the wrong thing when knowledge wasn't passed on i'm gonna tell you this we got a younger generation that sometimes fights the wrong battles just because the older generation has been trapped or captured too soon. How do you get trapped? How do you get captured? I want to close with this. Wolves are driven by their hunger. They're driven by their hunger. The, the, the pack moves when they're hungry. They attack when they're hungry. They actually don't really attack humans. There's very few documented wolves that have attacked humans because they go where their hunger is. They're actually shy, usually, from humans, run away from humans. But they go where their hunger is. There's a story that says that, that, that a trapper had come across multiple times his trap, and he was trapping wolves, and came upon the cross the trap with only a wolf foot in the trap, but no wolf. And as they looked into it, they realized that the wolf got so hungry that he chewed through his own leg to walk with three legs free, then die with four. There was such an element of a desire for freedom that they said, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to be bound. I'll sacrifice myself so that I can be free. See, sometimes freedom costs you something. Sometimes you're going to have to cut something off. Sometimes you're going to have to let something go. Sometimes you're going to have to go through some process and say, my freedom is more important than my, than, than my bondage. My freedom is more important than what's holding on to me. And we have people that have been taken out prematurely by offense, by hurt, by snares, by unforgiveness, by temptation, by compromise, things that have ensnared them. And we have not passed on knowledge to the next generation. And I want you to know that God wants you free. God wants you running. God wants you running after his purpose and everything he has for you. But it's going to take some, it's going to take some sacrifice. Galatians chapter 5, later on in the chapter we started with in verse 7, says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Oh, man. You were, you were doing good. You had a God encounter. You had a couple good years. Who cut in on you? Who kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. It doesn't come from God. A little yeast, a little trap. 
a little snare works through the whole batch of dough. We got too many people that are ensnared, unwilling to do what it takes to be free, unwilling to share. So we die in slavery when it'd be better to give up something and run free with three legs than to die with four. Hebrews chapter 12 in the message translation, it says this. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans, past generations cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he, Jesus, plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Anybody need a shot of adrenaline in your spiritual walk? This is what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, consider, consider Jesus who encountered shame and encountered pain, but he did not deviate. He, he encountered difficulty, but he did not sway from his path. Consider him. The NIV says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles. It says, throw off anything that hinders. You know what? Something that hinders you isn't a sin. It's just a weight. What's weighing you down so that you can't run your race? What's weighing you down? It goes back to the scripture we read in the very beginning. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. God wants you free. The ability to run. And too many people are ensnared by life's pleasure. Ensnared by difficulty. Ensnared by past situations. Ensnared by traumatic situations. Ensnared. God's plan for you is to walk free. And, and, and the picture of the wolf is really gruesome. But he, but he says, I would rather chew off this leg and go free. See, that is the hunger that believers should walk with. That says, I will not tolerate this in my life. I will not tolerate feeling anxious. I will not tolerate feeling discouraged. I will not to tolerate feeling lustful. I will not tolerate running to this or running. I will not tolerate. I'll chew it off if I have to because I'd rather be free and run after God with everything I am than be encumbered and miss out on the God-given purpose that he has for my life. God's got something good for you. God's got a good plan. God's got a good race. And it's the enemy's plan to encumber you and weight you down. But God says it's for freedom's sake that Christ came to set you free. Don't be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I'm setting you free. And I believe this today, today, in this moment, in this room, across our campuses, anybody that's watching online, God's about to set you free. Addiction's about to break in this place. Things that you have never been able to get over, God is going to give you the grace to get over. It doesn't mean you don't have to walk the journey out, but something supernaturally is happening in this room right now. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God that something is breaking off your life. You don't have to go through life living that way and carrying that thing. God is setting you free. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.